2: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
3: I think that they're both first ballot Hall of Famers. Obviously, their resumes can change a little bit with their time here with the Mets. I would give a slight edge after just jumping through the numbers and looking at postseason game logs and looking at Cy Young votes and innings pitched and strikeouts and just everything, I'd give Verlander a slight edge. Like, if you're asking me after all of this, who's the better pitcher? And it could change. Their careers aren't over. Obviously, we're going to be biased with what these guys do here. Verlander wins a World Series MVP. We'll all say he's better. Scherzer wins a World Series MVP. We'll all say he's better. But I would give Verlander the slight edge. But I do think we are looking at two of the great pitchers of our generation. Well, I will say this much.
4: I think that Verlander gets the edge overall. But if you take away the first like five seasons of Scherzer, and I know that just, you know, picking arbitrary numbers and stuff like that, Scherzer's been the better pitcher. In recent years, if you look at those numbers, I think recently from the pet, like once Scherzer took over as a starter in Detroit and really took a role, he has been the more down, I I think, even though the numbers are close, has been the more dominant of the two pitchers.
3: Well, you're right from the standpoint of Scherzer had his struggles early on. Obviously he was traded. We remember that the Yankees were involved in that trade, the big three-way deal from Arizona. Um, He didn't become a dominant pitcher until 2013. Justin Verlander, was in the midst of his career by this point. He had already won a Cy Young. He'd already won an MVP. He'd already had a bunch of top three finishes. Now, Verlander also wasn't perfect early in his career either. Like, when he won Rookie of the Year in 2006, he had a 360 RA. He had a 480 RA in 2008. Actually led the league in losses, if you care about that stuff. Verlander's real dominant breakthrough was probably 2010 and then over the top 2011 when he won the Cy Young on the MVP. Uh, but you're right in terms of Scherzer didn't become a big-time guy till 2013. Verlander's had some down years. Like in 2014, at 31 years old, he sucked. Like he had a four-and-a-half ERA, and then he was hurt in 2015. And Verlander has credited that with what really changed his career, that he realized how important it was to take care of himself. That that struggle that he had in the midst of his career really led to – Him kind of being the guy who could still be around at 40 years old. It's very, very close, by the way. Very, very close. And I do think that our opinions on both guys will be altered greatly based on what they do for us. Max's first year with the Mets was a fine regular season. He missed a lot of time, but it didn't bother us because the Mets won 101 games. It's not like him missing regular season time was detrimental to the team. It wasn't. I mean, you want to nitpick, well, if they win one extra game, they win it a bit. Listen, the guy was great when he pitched. The problem was, in the two most important starts, he sucked. That's what Max is going to have to battle. And, and what's funny about that is the exact opposite could happen this year. What I mean by that is, I'll use Verlander as an example. What if he pitches like a 380 RA? He goes out, he makes his starts. He's average. He's mediocre, right? And we're like, what the what the f is this? We're paying this guy forty plus million dollars. Guy won the Cy Young last year. He has a four ERA, right now. The playoffs come around, and he dominates. <laughs> we'll take that. Like his legacy to us will be that guy was amazing. It's like the the Garrett Cole effect. It's it's what you do in October for us that's going to define how we view you. Well, that was the whole Degrom thing, and and, and I I don't want to like put. Cold water on the
4: whole topic of bringing back the bad memories of Degrom. But the reality is, is he was hurt for majority of the season. I said it didn't make a difference what he did. If he's available for October, that's where we need him. And Scherzer the most. And Degrom pitched fine in the playoffs, and that's what we need out of both Scherzer and Verlander. The regular season's good. Listen, the regular season is going to be a very similar thing that happened last year. I don't know if a hundred plus wins is in the in the forefront, but ninety wins at least and we're going to get to the playoffs, and it's going to come down to the big three, in my opinion, because Cody Seng is going to be involved in that.
3: that. That's also assuming, and look, we're all positive enough to think, hey, this is a playoff team, but that's also assuming that it's just a stress-free, they're going to make the playoffs kind of season. Like, you still have to secure a playoff spot. If Verlander or Scherzer misses time or is average, and they're battling for a playoff spot, It's viewed differently. The Mets were never battling for a playoff spot in 2022. It was simply battling for the division, which we wanted, but not for a playoff spot. As far as opening day is concerned, um, I put a poll out about four or five days ago asking Met fans, who do you want to have start opening day? Very innocent question. I also acknowledge it doesn't matter that much. It's a symbolic thing who starts opening day. Last year, the Mets won 101 games. The opening day starter was Tyler McGill. So I trust me, I understand what all of that means, but it's still a fun thing. You know what I mean? It's, like, it's, it's a symbolic thing. You look at the history of this franchise, the all-time record holder for opening day starts, is it's not even a surprise, is Tom Seaver. He made 11 opening day starts. 11. Now, here are the guys who made multiple opening day starts. Doc Gooden made eight, which is a huge number as well. By the way, Siever won at 11, Doc number two at eight. Not a surprise. I think we all would have gotten that. There are two gentlemen tied for third who made four opening day starts. That's the third place tally. Can you name those two guys?
4: Oliver Perez. No, just kidding. Yes, Oliver <laughs> Perez.
3: <laughs> uh, oof.
4: I want to say
3: David Cohn. David Cohn did not. David Cohn made one opening day start. So he's Man. made one, but only one. Um, Steve Traskell. Steve Traxel never made an opening day start. <laughs> <laughs> that I've lost. I don't know. You ready for this? <laughs> I mean, one of them is going to make you cringe. Tommy Glavin. Made four uh. opening day starts. And if memory serves correct, I would say it was 03, 04, not 05 because of Pedro. So then I would say 06 and 07. I think with a four that he made, Johan Santana made four opening day starts. After that, the guys with three, Al Leiter. Bobby Jones, Jacob DeGrom. Jacob actually ended up making three opening day starts. The guys with multiple opening day starts, Craig Swan, Little Al Jackson, Roger Craig, Noah Syndergaard. How about that? And then all all the other guys that made one, Tyler McGill, Bartolo Colon, Matt Harvey, Dylan G, Jonathan Neese, Mike Pelfrey, Pedro Martinez, Mike Hampton, Pete Harnish, David Cohn, Bobby Ojeda, Mike Torres, Pat Zachary, Jerry Kuzman, Fat Jack Fisher, and Don Cardwell. So there's your list of uh, opening day guys. So Verlander, Scherzer, or Senga, or Quintana, anybody would make the first. We're adding somebody to the list of a guy making their first opening day start. So I put the poll out there, about 10,000 votes, and it was overwhelming. Uh, Max Scherzer secured the vote with 69% of the vote couple of the thoughts I got. Matt Grosso said, it's Scherzer. Scherzer has seniority. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Brutus. Max Scherzer, it's his rotation now. Max should start. Chris Scherzer, he's in year two. Verlander, even though he's the reigning Cy Young Award winner, is only in year one. So you got a lot of that. A lot of, hey, this guy's been here for two years. Uh, Jeff Betts had a good, exa- good answer. How about neither? Let's load management these guys till July. <laughs> You'll never make it a full season with this staff. Look at Max at the end of last season. While you may be right about being careful and load management and however you want to phrase it, yeah, I don't think it makes sense to wait till July. <laughs> Would you not want to put Kode Senga out there, like get the new toy out of the way? Uh, that would be a great way to break the tie. Like, ah, right, we're just going to give it to Kodai. Who's probably <laughs> started a bunch of opening day starts themselves. Uh, David Oresky says it's Scherzer. It shouldn't even be a question. I mean, David is with the majority because 69% said Max Scherzer. So obviously people think it's a dumb question. Um, Mr. Met says, Justin Verlander only because then it would be Cy Young versus Cy Young. Oh, because he's thinking of Sandy Alcantara, who the Mets are facing on opening day. Um, Mosh says Verlander because it adds to the opening day hype. PMAC many sports says they'll both be hurt out of spring training. <laughs> Dick. <laughs> but most people, like I'm going through, most people say Max based on the fact he's been here for an extra year, which I don't know, man, that doesn't really mean anything to me like yeah he's been here for a year but do we really have that emotional attachment to say it's got to be him I mean the only thing you could say is like he's
4: it's almost like the symbolism of Pedro Martinez right Pedro Martinez kind of put the Mets back on the map and then other people started coming over whether it's Carlos Beltran and then making the trade for you know so so in that sense if you want to say Max Scherzer chose the Mets and now all these other players have now falling in line with him if you want to consider him the leader because of that but i look at the other way verlander we've just went back and forth who's the better one I, I still toss up but verlander just won the cy young he's the best
3: pitcher of baseball at the moment you give him the nod yeah it, it depends how you want to answer it if it's about this seniority thing obviously max is here uh you could also punish him for seniority and say hey dude you no-showed the playoff game and the game against Atlanta, go F yourself. We'll start your buddy Verlander, but Verlander's coming off a better year. I don't think anybody would argue that the guy won the American league, Cy Young, the guy had a one seven, five ERA, but Hey, Met fans, Hey guys who think it has to be Max Scherzer. Do you want to win opening day? Because what if I told you this, what if I told you that in the last eight opening day starts, Justin Verlander has made, because he's made 12 opening day starts in his career. Obviously, a lot of them with Detroit, a handful of them with Houston, but 12, which is higher than Tom Seaver. Think about that. Max Scherzer has started, or Justin Verlander, has started more opening days than Tom Seaver did with the Mets. Now, obviously, Seaver then was with Cincinnati. I'd have to add up his opening day starts there. Bottom line is, he's made 12. In his last eight starts on opening day, Justin Verlander is 5-0 with a 1.79 ERA. What up? What up? How about that? Championship. How about that? Opening day fits right in with the Mets. 2020, six innings, two runs, a win. 2019, seven innings, one run, a win. 2018, six scoreless, a win. 2017,
0: six and a third, two runs, a win. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what?
3: Uh, overall, by the way, because he has made four other opening day starts earlier in his career that were awful, including giving up eight runs in three innings to the Blue Jays back in 2009, if you want to be fair and add all of his opening day starts up, uh, Verlander is 5-1 with a 3 ERA, so not quite as appealing as the 5-0 and o with a 1-7-9. As far as is concerned, and he's made a few of these against us, by the way, He's made two opening day starts against the New York Mets. The Mets won both games. That's a true story right there. Uh, he's 1-3, in three, but he does have a good ERA, 2.72. He started opening day in 2021, his last one with Washington, six innings, four runs, no decision. He started the weird opening day against the Yankees in 2020, five and a third innings, four runs, got the loss started opening day against the Grom in 2019, pitched really well, pitched into the eighth, only allowed two runs. That's when he gave up the home run to Cano in the first inning. And we all thought, oh, Robbie Cano's back, baby. Uh, so the opening day numbers, they're, they're, they're fine. <laughs> it is what it is. I want to win. Way, I want to win for that. Means- Verland. Yeah. My vote's for Verlander for opening day. Do you agree with that?
4: Yeah, I do. And especially after that, like I want to win. It. And if Verlander's gonna have the does it make a difference in the numbers at the end of the at the end of the day, you want the W, which means Verlander will give you that. If, if you said the five at all the past few starts, I'm down for that.
3: Yeah, my my reasoning for Verlander is twofold. Number one, I'm rewarding him for having a better year last year. He had a better year than Max Scherzer. Um I, I you know, that I think that's part of the the beauty of opening day is that You want to put your ace out there. And Justin Verlander had a better season, a full season that went deep into October, obviously, and got capped off with another world championship. So I give Verlander the thank you, even though it wasn't for my team, the reward for the season he had. And the number two, F Max Scherzer. The guy sucked for us in the two starts we needed him. Like, I'm not rewarding him for seniority. And while I admit he had a really good regular season that we were happy with, despite missing the time he missed, like, I, I, I'm i not rewarding him for being here for an extra year. He also has an opt-out at the end of the year. The guy could be gone at the end of the season. Let's not grow too attached to Max Scherzer. He's here for a short period of time, and then he's probably getting paid elsewhere. If you were to tell me that, let's say... It was
4: Jacob Degrom still on the team. It's a different story. You're going to give Jacob the Degrom the start every single time. Of but course. Ju- right now, Justin Verlander is the new toy. Like that's what he is. He's the shot. He's the shot. He's the big ticket item that we just brought in. It makes no sense to like save him for like an extra day. That's the guy that the fans are, are were craving for. As soon as we heard that Degrom was gone,
3: we got to bring in Verlander. That's who you got to bring in. Show it to the people. That's what the people want. Look, if Jake was here, this would not be a discussion. Put it that way. I wouldn't have even bothered with a podcast on it because it's like, of course, what are you talking about? Of course, it's going to be Jacob DeGrom. But it is a little different when you're talking about two guys that we don't have an emotional tie to. Now, one thing to keep in mind, the Mets open the season in Miami against the Marlins, so they will face Sandy Alcantara, assuming he's healthy. They play four games against Miami, and they play three games against Milwaukee. And there's no off day. Like, it is straight up game, game, game. I apologize. Uh, no, no, I'm right. Game, 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 game with Miami. And then game, game, game. So you really can't mess around with, oh, we have extra days. Let's skip this guy. We don't need a fifth starter. But opening days on the road. So if Verlander starts game one, Scherzer starts game two, Senga starts game three. Um, now we're up to game four. And it's uh, Carlos Carrasco. Game five is Quintana. Game six is back to the top of the rotation with Verlander. Game seven is Scherzer. That leads you to game eight, which is the home opener. Which means, and remember, they're in Miami, they're in Milwaukee, there's no rainouts, so you don't have to worry about, well, there could be a rainout. Those games are all being played. That means whoever the third starter is for the New York Mets will start the home opener which in a lot of ways maybe matters more to us. It's at city field. It's when the crowd's back in the building. So assuming Kodai Senga is the third starter, that would mean Mr. Hoffman, that you're going to get your wish. Kodai Senga is going to start the home opener for the New York Metropolitans.
4: That's what I'm talking about. That's what I want to see. Big press situation because that place will be packed. It's going to be swarmed. You're going to be there. I'm going to be there. I want to see Sanga starting at, at City Field for the home opener.
3: Now, that's assuming Sanga's the third guy. It could always be Carlos Carrasco. Or there could be some kind of nagging injury that pushes somebody uh, back a couple of days. Uh, and then we had Tyler or McGill. <laughs> yeah, think about it. Last year, after all that, DeGrom gets hurt. Scherzer <laughs> gets hurt. We don't want to screw around with days too much. Here's Tyler or McGill. And we ended up okay. The season ends up going okay during the regular season.
4: Either that or they're going to start Brooks Raleigh as the uh, opener.
3: <laughs> my man. Brooks Raleigh, my man. All right. It is official. Our rewatch game, the game that we uh, or you elected, everybody out there elected for us to rewatch and then analyze as a podcast, will be game seven of the 1986 World Series. So on the podcast that will come out on late Super Sunday, The Monday after the Super Bowl, that will be the podcast. So we're giving you a week and a half, two weeks almost, to watch this game. If you can't watch it in that time, not a big deal. The podcast will be sitting there waiting for you for wherever you're done. So there's no rush. But it will be game seven of the 1986 World Series. I'll tweet the game out a little bit. It's on YouTube. We can connect it on the podcast. So when you download and you see the description of whatever we're talking about, Maybe for a couple of episodes, we'll include the link so you can click on it. But we'll do that on the Sunday, Monday, because usually we post these things late Sunday night or late Wednesday night. Those are the twice a weeks we've been doing during the offseason, unless we throw a bonus in there, or breaking news. So figure that'll be for the podcast uh, during Super Bowl weekend. So with no football coming up this weekend, plenty of time to watch it. Game 7 of the 86 World Series. Coming up on the Rico this weekend, the one that we'll post this Sunday night and a Monday, we talk all about not just the expectations for the Mets in 2023, but a history of expectations. Where Mets' expectations have been for the last 30 years going into a season. Some of it will surprise you. You sort of forget what expectations are once the season occurs. So we'll focus on that coming up this weekend on Rico Brown. You can obviously email the podcast anytime you want. TheRicoB at gmail.com. TheRicoB at gmail.com. And obviously, you can tweet at us whenever you want. We're a few weeks away from spring training. Let's freaking go. You can listen to Pete with Tiki and Tierney, me and Craig, two o'clock on the fan. We appreciate you listening and downloading Rico Bronya. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico
2: Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.